Welcome to Dicey Stuff, the podcast about life, because, well, the dicey stuff is the realest stuff of our lives. Come along as Lois examines living as a Christian woman in this modern age. Time to roll. Hello, friends. Welcome to Dicey Stuff. My name is Lois Matson. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about something that happened a while ago in the good old days when I had babies and children in church and the friend that's here with me today also had babies and children in church. I don't have little kids anymore and neither does she, but we both remember what it was like to have children in church and the difficulties that that sometimes presents for moms specifically. So I would like to welcome my friend, Shirley Lampinen. She's from the Seattle area. She is wife to a pastor. She's a mom. She's a grandma. So welcome, Shirley. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I am the third of nine children, uh, Norwegian background, a little bit different than most of you Finns. My maiden name was Holmgren. And so we had four children, which I consider a blessing because when we were married, I was told I would never be able to have children. So Really? Yeah. So to me, it was a real blessing to have four. So four so, times over blessed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Two girls first and then the two boys. Nice. So, yeah. so how old are your kids? About? I'll just say about. Ranging from 38 to 47. Okay, perfect. When did your husband become a pastor? Did you have children when he was preaching? Yes, I had all four of them. He started preaching uh, 37 years ago. It was a challenge. That was the whole service. He used to do the beginning, the introduction, read the psalm and speak a little bit about that before that. But yes, 37 years ago, I had all four. And it's, I think, a little bit different for me being I never expected to be married to a pastor. Right. Where for somebody going into it with the expectation. It's a little bit different. A little bit more prepared, maybe. Right. Adjusting is more (laughs) difficult. Yes. Babies in church. That's just a really difficult thing when you want to listen to the sermon and your baby's making noises or hungry or needs a diaper change or, you know, wants to climb around, wants to make noise, wants to bang on things. (laughs) So, you know, babies in church, I guess I have a little bit of maybe more sympathy if a baby gets hungry or needs a diaper change. So you have babies and young children, and maybe we should talk about those a little bit separately, just because what do you think are some of the challenges with babies in church? And what do you remember about sitting in church with young babies? There is a challenge. They do fuss more. A little bit of fussing, I I tried to let it be. But I grew up in a church where here in Seattle, we our pastors like to have it quiet. Mm-hmm. And we had a nursery, and so I would take them out. But the thing that I learned early on is that I had to hold them in my lap. Just because they fussed, I did not put them down when we got to the nursery to play because I felt they would learn to fuss. And as far as feeding them, because of health issues, I wasn't able to nurse so I could feed them 
with a bottle in church. That wasn't the problem. But there was also the diaper changing, you know, that couldn't wait. Yes. <laughs> and just fussing, you know, in general. So I think that's a really good point that you brought up about them learning to fuss. If they get to go to the nursery and play, yep. they will say, well, maybe next Sunday I'll try the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> my dad did something with my sister. And I think it was a really neat way of teaching her. She was old enough to know that she should sit in church. But she fussed and he brought her out to the nursery. They must have had a father's nursery in those days because he brought her out to the nursery. And they sat down in the nursery and there were toys on the floor. There were kids playing with toys and there were books and, you know, all kinds of fun things to do. And he sat my sister next to him on the bench. And he pointed across the room. He said there was a glass doorknob on a wooden door across the room. Yes. And there was a glint of light shining on that doorknob. And he said, you see that doorknob over there? And she said, yeah. And he said, I want you to look at that doorknob and watch that doorknob. And so she sat there and she watched the doorknob until this, I don't know, until the service was over or until he decided they should go back into church or whatever. And she said, you know what? I'm not going to do that again because in church, <laughs> at least I can look around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have to be very old before they learn that, that it's not fun going out and having it's, to sit, especially if you sit in a room where everybody else is playing, where right. there is lots of noise and right. they want to be down. So it's hard too. I always found it difficult in the nursery because a lot of the times moms are chatting. And to me, I was wanting to hear the sermon. And it's hard to do that when you're in the nursery and, you know, there's conversations going on around you. Sometimes the nursery has the sound coming over a speaker, hopefully. So you can at least hear right. maybe, but it's noisy. There's kids playing and there's moms visiting and maybe kids crying and it's hard to hear. That's correct. <laughs> and I always wanted to hear it too. I got married at age 24. Mm -hmm. And so I was used to sitting in church, being able to listen to the sermon. And it was important to me. My faith is important to me. And so it was really difficult. I even said, I wish, why didn't God make babies and children with a button you pushed when you went to church and that would make <laughs> them quiet? You know, so that us mothers would get something from the sermon. But I also understand that for some mothers, when they go in the nursery, they need contact with other mothers going through the same thing. They need to talk. But I always felt that perhaps after church would have been better. Mm -hmm. But that's my opinion. Right. But obviously, God didn't agree with me as far as making a a button on a child. No mute buttons. So, no <laughs> mute button. <laughs> oh. oh, that's funny. So what about when children are a little older? We talked about babies, but then what about a little bit older kids? Yeah. <laughs> I learned something from my mom. And of course, I'm of the age where it was all right still to maybe pull the back of the hair, you know, the little hair, if they were misbehaving. Right. Or... You know, telling them, you know, you're going to get a talking to when you get home. Stan was good at doing that. In fact, the kids would rather have had me pull their hair than listening to a long sermon again. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. And then my mom used to snap her finger 
you know, she'd snap it really loud. She wouldn't look at us, just snap. And I learned to do that too. And that got their attention and they would stop, you know, wiggling around and turning around and all that stuff. So, and I noticed my son does the same thing. Now. Yeah. He, he doesn't look, he just snaps his finger and, and uh, that takes care of it. <laughs> so. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> and that's a really neat warning, I guess. You know, you're not having to make a big scene, but it gets their attention. And I think that's the biggest thing is to get their attention and have the child's notice. Oh, wait, this is yes. not acceptable. Exactly. One thing we have to understand that every child has a different nature. Some are willing to listen and others are just rebellious by nature. And so you do deal with each child differently. So, and some, a snap of the finger would not work. You have to take them out and talk to them. But there again, they have to be brought back in to realize that, you know, that there's something special here in this church that your mom and dad want to listen to, and perhaps you can get something out of it. We do not know how much children actually get from a sermon. We think they're not listening, but they are. Yes, very true. I agree completely. And you can test that theory by asking them on the way home something about what they remember. And they will, many times, they will remember something. Sometimes they will remember something that I don't remember. Correct. But once they say it, I go, oh, yeah, that that was. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. We had an experience once when we got, we had a, drove a Volkswagen van gone. And our oldest daughter was way in the back seat and we were driving and she hollers from the back seat. What did the pastor mean when he said this? And it was a visiting pastor who had a very unusual, to my way of thinking, sermon. And we had to spend the rest of the trip home explaining that his view of this verse was incorrect, according to what the other verses say in the word. I appreciated that she would ask, and I was shocked to know that she had been listening enough to catch that, and that sounded off to her. Isn't that wonderful when the word is proclaimed clearly and plainly and according to scripture, and we hear the difference when there's something that's preached that's not in accord with scripture, and it makes our ears perk up and say, wait, is that right? You know, Correct. and yes. it's so good to be able to talk to your kids about that and yes, let them know that they're right, that that is that something's off there. You're right. Yeah. And it's interesting to me if they hear the truth all the time and even children, and then they hear something that is a little off, that they would be aware of it, mm-hmm. that they would question it. And that's God working in them. But they have to be in church in order yes. to to get that. Yes. It is so important. So there's a kind of a trend maybe in some churches today. I don't know that it happens a lot in our churches, but in, in other churches in America where there's kids' church or children's church and the, the children are in a separate service than the adults. So what do you think about that? Not knowing the exact situations, I don't want to stand in judgment, but from my own viewpoint is that they need to be in church. They need to to hear, to sing. 
I have grandchildren that are like seven years old who know these hymns and songs by heart, mm-hmm. not because they could read, but because they've heard them and they sing them. And they need to be there to hear and to realize this is important. Being in church and listening to the word. I do know a family who has children, church, the church they go to. And when the one son got to be older, he was asked, do you want to go to church or do you want to have cooking classes? Now tell me as a child, which would you choose? Right. You know, right. I'll take cooking classes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I don't know what they did in cooking classes. Maybe they used the word, you know, but when you offer those kind of choices at a certain age, even if you do have children's church, they should be in church. Right. They should be there. There's that poem about little heads in the pew. I wish I could remember it now, but it's, it is really a a touching poem to see. And if I hear a little bit of noise in the back from children, it is wonderful. It really is because it tells me that they're there. A little bit of noise is good in church. It, it reminds us that the children are there. Yes, I agree totally. I think that babies and children are the future. I mean, that's the future generation who will be in right. church. And if they're not in church and they're not in the sanctuary, they won't be in the sanctuary in a few decades. You know, that exactly that yep. congregation won't won't be there. And I don't think then they experience the fellowship of Christians. And that is so important. Sometimes we don't we take it for granted, but fellowship to be able to see and talk to one another face to face is very important. It lifts us. Yes. You know, it gives us strength uh, on the way. I just looked up. Dear Little Heads in the Pew. Do you want me to read it? The poem? Yes. We'll see. I have never read this before, so we'll see what it is. And I can always take it out if we don't like it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dear Little Heads in the Pew. In the morn of the Holy Sabbath, I like in the church to see the dear little children clustered and worshiping there with me. I am sure that the gentle pastor, whose words are like summer dew, is cheered as he gazes over the dear little heads in the pew. Faces earnest and thoughtful, innocent, grave, and sweet. They look in the congregation like lilies among the wheat. And I think that the tender master, whose mercies are ever new, has a special benediction for those dear little heads in the pew. When they hear the Lord is my shepherd or suffer the babes to come, they are glad that the loving father has given the lambs a home. A place of their own with his people, he cares for me and for you, but close to his breast he gathers those dear little heads in the pew. So I love in the great assembly on the Sabbath morns to see the dear little children clustered and worshiping there with me. For I know that our heavenly father, whose mercies are ever new, has a special benediction for those dear little heads in the pew. And that is by Margaret E. Sagatur. Exactly. That's so nice. Yeah. So I think that we should value the dear little heads in the pew. And I think also that we need to take time to greet them, to show them that even though we're older, like for me, I'm their grandparents' age, but they are valued. I think that's so true that we have this 
expectation of kids sitting quietly or not being disruptive or whatever. But we also have to realize that these children are learning and they are listening. And if we don't teach them, they will learn the ways of the world without any help from us. Right. And we need to combat those ways of the world with God's word, with the hymns of the faith, with good teaching, Sunday school, all of the things that we can equip them to become the adults, because they will be in a few short years. You know, you and I both know how quickly those years go by. They do. Yes. But you mentioned about the hymns, that they know the hymns. That brought me back to the thought of what I had uh, said once before about the fact that when I was in that nursery that was so, so loud, I couldn't hear. And then the music came on. I could hear the organ and the it was a closing hymn, but I couldn't hear the singing because the nursery was so loud. And I became a little bitter about it till God placed in my heart, my heart, the words of that song. And then I could sing a along with it in my mind and in my heart. And that gave me a sermon that I could take home. And so I think that mothers who are in the same situation, who feel frustrated that they haven't been fed, think about that. Listen to the music, if nothing else. God feeds us through his hymns and songs of Zion. Yeah, He really does. Yeah, and you can carry that with you at home when things are really, really frustrated, put on some Christian music. It soothes us as we're raising our children. Anyway, it did me. Yes. And then your children hear you listening to what is important also. Yes. So they learn by example. Right. And then they learn the music because kids are like little sponges. They learn so quickly. You know, they sing a song once and they can, you know, sing it right back to you. Exactly. Yeah. And It's wonderful. Yeah. What do you think about noise in church? We talked a little bit about that, and I'm just going to ramble here a little and think about it. But for me, I think small cooing noises and a little bit of even little kids talking quietly to themselves while they're leafing through a book, that doesn't bother me. And I think that loud noises or crying and screaming need to be addressed. That needs to be taken out to the nursery or taken out to your car or taken out outside of the sanctuary and settled. But I think we have to remember that that expectation isn't absolute silence. The small noises in the sanctuary, we talked about that a little bit before. They remind us that this is the future church. This is the generation Mm of that are coming. We don't have to stress. I think we put such high expectations on ourselves that We almost doom ourselves to frustration and anxiety and anger. Yeah. Like on our own, we just do that to ourselves. And as a grandparent, I think we must be very, very careful not to be judgmental of parents whose children are having a rough day. They cry and they have to go out or sometimes they don't take them out. If you cast angry glances and be frustrated and all that. How is that encouraging a parent to bring their children to church? Mm -hmm. To realize that, hey, we've been there. Mm -hmm. We know that it's difficult at times, extremely difficult on some days. They have bad days just like we do. But the constant crying, 
very loud. Yes, I agree. That needs to be addressed. It is not only distracting for others trying to listen, but I'll say it after hearing pastors, it can be very distracting for them if it's really loud and it goes on and on and on. Let's think about that part of it too. Yes. And let's encourage our young moms, young dads to bring their kids to church. And if they're having a bad day to say, I'm sorry, I noticed it was a bad day. Acknowledge it and say, keep coming. Please keep coming. Don't stay away because you had a bad day. Exactly. Keep coming and we'll keep encouraging and we'll keep loving you and we'll keep loving your children and we'll keep teaching your children. Right. Because I think part of that is that expectation of the older people. A parent thinks, a young parent especially, thinks they're going to get a frown. They're going to get an angry glance. Right. And if we can give them a smile and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We've been there. Right. It's hard. Hang in there. It'll get better. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And it will. You know, Mm -hmm. it will. An example I, I was given, and it really touched my heart, is that there was an older lady, older than I am, and she told me, she says, to hear children in the church, grandchildren, touches her because she has none in the church. None of her grandchildren come to church, and only one of her own children come. So if we can think of it that way, be aware of the fact that we are blessed by having our grandchildren. And if we are the ones that don't have grandchildren, know that we care, those who do. We care for you. We care that you are missing having your family come with you to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's an important subject that we're talking about. Anyway, to me, a very yes. important. Yes, I think so too. My baby's 13. Yeah. But still, 13 years feels like a long time since I had a baby there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I babysat during communion. You know, you take a baby from here and there. So I know, you know, but, and a lot of them can be frightened of you, you know, in a way, if you don't hold them much otherwise. Right. But for the most part, if you turn them around and show them where dad and mom are, you know, they're fine too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's another thing that seems like it would be a good practice to get into is to give a, another mom or dad a break, either for part of the service or all of a yeah. service. Say, hey, I'll hold your baby. As yeah. long as the babies, you know, yeah. some babies wouldn't be okay with that. They want to be close to mom and dad. But if they're okay with that, to give a parent a break and let them listen yeah, for a change. Exactly. You know, yep. it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. And I think you're right about remembering those who don't have their children or their grandchildren in church, because that has to be a very, very, very difficult place to be. Yeah. I could sense it when I was visiting with this, this lady. Yeah. It just came from the heart that she had no one there. Yes. And so she felt alone. And it's easy to feel alone, even amongst a large group of Christians, Mm -hmm. when you see them with their children and visiting and whatnot. And so that's another thing we should think of. The other end of the spectrum, go and visit with somebody who seems alone, who seems unsure of themselves, breaking into a conversation where it's a whole bunch of family talking. Take Mm -hmm. time for others, too, not just for your own family. Yes, that's very good. 
So what do you think about, is there a way to teach children at home that they need to be quiet in church? Boy, you know, I really don't know because I would think each situation would be different. I guess I can't remember, actually. You know, we talked, of course, you know, about the importance of trying to be quiet. When they're younger, you can't, your expectations must change. You know, they, you can't expect perfection from a young child. Mm-hmm. But as they get older, another thing too with our children, they had to sit with me until they were 13. Mm-hmm. And then I could, I could watch them. Are they mature enough to sit with their friends? One of our sons wasn't. Mm-hmm. He wasn't disruptive. He slept through the whole sermon. Every single Sunday. And so I told him, no, you can't move out. Not until I see you're mature enough to stay awake during a sermon. Right. And the reason I know he slept is because he would slouch in the pew and lay his head on my shoulder. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. And so he worked at it and he was able then to go out. And hopefully, you know, I sat towards the front. Hopefully they sat and behaved. But, you know, by then, you have to let go. Yeah. At some point, you definitely have to trust that what you have taught them is absorbed. Right. And that they will follow it. So I think there's one way of practicing, maybe, is if you're doing Bible stories or if you're doing singing, expect them to sit and listen during the Bible story. You know, sometimes it's okay to have Bible story time and have them playing with Legos or doing something quietly while you're, you know, you can do that while you're reading, but when you're actually, okay, now we're going to practice church and church means you sit next to me on the couch and you sit quietly while maybe we listen to a sermon. I'm going to sit quietly. We're just going to be quiet here and we're going to listen to it. Maybe we can do some singing. Maybe we can do some Psalm reading, something prayer so that they have the knowledge at home where it's easier to correct them and to encourage them that this is practice for church. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some good ideas. Yeah. So what is your best advice for parents in church? Do you have any ideas? Oh, (laughs) let's see. I guess I could tell one story. I mean, not to get really frustrated. And I used to, there was one Sunday I got out seven, Stan was not preaching, and I got out seven times with between all four kids and took them out, not to the nursery, but to the foyer, and we stood out there. And when we got in the car, you know, I was really frustrated, and I told Stan, oh, something has got to change, you know, that I didn't get to listen at all, even though they were older. He says, well, why? What was wrong? He hadn't even noticed. He had the ability to focus on the sermon. And I was in and out right in front of him every single time, seven times, you know, so that's 14 times in front of him. I didn't even notice, you know, so some people have that ability where I didn't, right? I didn't have the ability not to pay attention and I would get frustrated, you know, and not to get frustrated is very challenging, but important because kids pick up on that. And I'm not sure that it was beneficial when I would go out and then each time I'd get more frustrated. Right. Not beneficial for me, but also for them. And I think that we have to be careful with that frustration if it builds. Kids Mm -hmm. can sense it. And then 
you know, I, I feel bad about it now. But like I always say about it as a parent, if your children know that you love them, if they know without a doubt you love them, they'll forgive all kinds of mistakes as you raise them. Mm-hmm. My folks were not perfect. They were perfect for me, though. Mm-hmm. And I knew they loved me. And so the feelings I saw that I was sure I would never do to my children, I forgave them because I knew they loved me. And I would hope that my children would feel the same and my grandchildren would feel the same. As long as they are secure in your love, they will forgive all kinds of mistakes. Yes, that's wonderful. Some practical things that I've thought of for babies, once they're old enough to actually eat Cheerios or little puffs or whatever, to bring snacks along, a drink that's in a spill-proof container, you know, something that's not going to drip all over, board books, quiet toys. So those are some things I've thought of for maybe the younger children. Babies is difficult because they can't really play with anything yet. But I mean, a lot of times they'll just sit with you and that's a nice thing too. Yeah. One of the things that I thought of with older kids is once they're potty trained, make sure they use the bathroom before (laughs) church, make Mm -hmm. sure they get a drink before church because otherwise 20 minutes in, they're going to be saying, I have to go potty. (laughs) (laughs) I I'd raised mine the same way. Right. (laughs) No, that's for sure. And then, of course, it always comes to the Sunday when you yourself have to go to the bathroom so bad mm-hmm. and you don't dare get up in the middle of church because your kids are watching. Right. So, and you're thinking, yeah. oh, man, how did I forget to do that before church started? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you've had too much coffee before church. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's funny. So you were talking about music. I know that you love music. What is yes. your favorite hymn? It's one that most people probably don't even know. It was one I was raised on. Most of us in the Seattle congregation were Swedes and Norwegians. Okay. And so we didn't even use the same books. Uh, Were they green? What were those old song books? Yeah, the old green ones. Yeah. 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 We didn't even use that. But boy, I wonder. I had it here. It's called Care for Me, O God of Grace. Have you heard it? No. Okay, let me read it. It's like a prayer. You know, we used to sing it. It's from the Concordia, which is a hymnal for the Scandinavians. But right. Scandinavian Lutherans? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, and it was written, oh boy, way, way back in the 1600s, the words. Okay, yeah. I'll read it to you. Care for me, O God of grace, help me that I never... Anxious look to future days, but may trust thee ever. Care for me and care for mine, every day and hour. Care for every one of thine, God of grace and power. Care for body and for soul, be thou my defender. Come what may, have full control, all I now surrender. Care thou for my soul and mind, lest my thoughts should grieve thee. And whatever lot I find, may I never leave thee. Through the means of grace, I pray, grant me grace to know thee. Care for me that I obey what thy word doth show me. Care for those who now control church and schools and nations. 
Care for every faithful soul laboring in patience. Care for me at eventide, in my sleep protect me. Through the day be at my side, in my work direct me. All I think and do and say, and my task and station. Sanctify, Lord, lest I stray. Bless my occupation. Care for goods and house and home. Guard my reputation. Care for me when trials come. Be my consolation. Care for me while on my way. Father, go before me. Lead me home in peace, I pray, to thy home in glory. That is beautiful. It is. Yeah. And it's got a real good tune, too. It's just a dear memory of my childhood. We still sing it here. We made a little songbook for our own home gatherings, and we still sing it here. You know, and we have a Bible class here. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So what's your favorite book of the Bible? I know you like (laughs) to read the Bible. I'm just curious, like, which book is your favorite? I really don't have a favorite, to be honest. Okay. I've read it through numerous times. Mm-hmm. I do have a favorite verse. Okay. What's that? It's in the o- Old Testament in Malachi, of all things. Yeah. Uh, Malachi 3. I even wrote that down. I carry it with me. Yeah. Because it refers to what we're doing right now. Anyway, it says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often to one another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. And that's in Malachi 3.16. And to me, well, we're talking about faith. We're talking about our children and bringing them up in faith. You know, that it's God given, you know, the faith. But just think of that. It's so important before the Lord that he hears it and he has made a book of remembrance about it. And then what goes along with it is the very next verse. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts in that day, when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. And it reminds me of that song about the jewels of children's song. Yeah. So that has always, I shouldn't say always, but I mean, for years and years, the fact that when we talk spiritual matters in any length of time, God hears it. And it means so much to him that he has a book of remembrance. It's written in there. That's beautiful. Um, That's good. Got the wind really picking up. Yeah. With this weather's been crazy. I know. Last night I laid in bed and I thought, okay, is our house going to (laughs) stand? I know. Is it? Oh, I saw Patricia's post the other day about what was she saying? Building a new house in her wakefulness (laughs) in the middle of the night. And I thought, well, here I am two o'clock in the morning going, is our house going to make it? Yeah. My windows were bowing in. I was up, stand sleep through everything. So, but I was up and trying to figure out what I would do if one of the windows broke. And yeah. <laughs> so I talked to him this morning about it. He just said, Oh, it'll be fine. So yeah. my worry was nothing. <laughs> so, uh, oh, for not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's off walking with Dave. They walk on Tuesday mornings. Oh, nice. So they walk rain or shine. 
And I'm sure they walk and they visit. Yes, they do. And yep. encourage each other. <laughs> yeah. And now some of the other men of the congregation that are retired join them. Not always, but nice. some of them. It is nice for them. Should start a Thursday morning ladies one, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have Friday mornings ladies Bible class. Do you lead that? Yes, along with Karen, the two of us. Yeah. Nice. So, so how yeah. do you do that? Do you study books of the Bible or do you buy yeah, a book? We well, we have done both. Right now we're in uh, Third John. Oh, nice. And we've gone through quite a bit of the books. And mm-hmm. then we did a fantastic one on the hymns that we sing. It was nice. really, really good. So was it a um, study or did you just pick hymns and study no, them? No, it was a study. Okay. But it was so good. All of us said we would never look at hymns and songs, well, mostly the hymns again, yeah. the same if way. If you like, would find it and send it to me, that would be wonderful. Yeah, just text it, me the name yeah. of it or something. And what they do is they would take uh, phrases of the hymn, like a mighty fortress is our God, and they'd show where it would maybe come from in the Bible. It was really good. It was a special one. Our daughter, Maya, did a fantastic one that she let me do just recently on the hospitality according to the word of God. But you had to watch a video first, then answer the questions. And that doesn't work for a group. It does not work. You need to be in the word during the week. That's a Bible study, not just. But I mean, it was still good. It was a value. I just recently started going to the Vancouver Ladies Bible Study. Most of the ladies that are there are my age or older. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I wish there was a way. Is there a way that we can minister to young moms because they're in the busy throes of raising babies? Is there a way to put together some kind of encouragement for them? Is there something we could do? I think we can personally mentor and encourage those in our circle those younger moms who we come in contact with, but wouldn't it be good to be able to reach more than just the three or four or six or however many young moms that you're around that are in your life, you know, whether it's your daughters or someone. Here in Seattle, we're a small congregation. So we do everything together, right? Even the Bible class, these mothers bring their daughters who are, well, the youngest is seven. Okay. They're homeschooled this year. They bring them and they're part of it. They take their turns reading mm-hmm. and sometimes answer questions. And But as far as young with the young children, I'm not sure. I know when I, you know, this is just another thing I did. I always had, when I did dishes, there was a rotating calendar with scripture on it. You know, mm-hmm. one of those small ones. And yeah. so I would turn it over and I would try and memorize and think during the day about that verse. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I could do it because a lot of times you don't have time to read when you have little kids. Right. You know, I would get up early. I'm a morning person. I'm usually up by, you know, four. Wow. And, um, <laughs> but I would sneak down the hall thinking, well, I'll have time now. Yeah. No, they, they hear you and they're out and they're hungry and they want to be fed and, yeah. So that's the only way I could do it. But as far right. as having like a, I don't know, what would you do? I don't know. Because a lot of times they don't have time to do an actual right. study. Well, I know that we're doing this podcast, so hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. who knows? <laughs> yeah. Someone actually came to me with an idea that I would like to put into place. And she said, 
Would you do like a morning devotion or an evening devotion with music? You know, put some piano music in it and maybe don't do the regular ending. Just end with 30 minutes of piano music or, oh, you know, yeah. a hymn. Find a hymn yeah. that you can use. Maybe take some recordings from Hawkinson's Fall Services music yeah. or something like that and put together more just encouragement and uh -huh. read some scripture, read a prayer do a song or two and make that more often than once a week or every couple of weeks yeah. or something, do it more. Now that takes some time to do, but yeah. I think it's a really good thought Yeah, to try and work that in somehow because it's difficult yeah. when you're in that baby raising marathon, because it's a marathon. It's not <laughs> just a quick, easy thing to get through. It's hard yeah. to be spiritually fed when you're not able to listen in church yes. and when you're not able to join a Wednesday morning Bible study or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but a lot of that takes time. That's something I certainly don't have. But I they think there's to... another thing about writing something that's short. Like you said, you had the Bible verse where it was a calendar where you mm -hmm. could study that one thing. If you could have something yeah. that was just one paragraph. Yeah. It's yeah. not a big, long, intense, more like a devotional where it's real right. short. Yeah. A verse yeah. and then just a little bit of thoughts about it. Yeah, that's true. So many things that would be so good, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I really enjoyed this and I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, it worked out as long as we could just visit, kind of. So say hello to your family for me. And Will do. Give them greetings. I appreciate it. Yeah. And you do the same with Thank yours. Thank you. And, oh. you know, stay warm and dry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And not do. blown away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, okay. Shirley. God's peace. Yeah. God's peace. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and tell your neighbors. Oh, hey, DSPS. There's a poem by Naomi Ward Randall about being a child and learning the scripture. I am a child of God and he has sent me here has given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear. I am a child of God and so my needs are great. Help me to understand his words before it grows too late. Lead me, guide me, walk beside me, help me find the way. Teach me all that I must do to live with him someday. We know that all that we must do to live with Jesus someday is believe in his word, to trust him. And that is a God-given gift. As Shirley said earlier, faith is God-given. Teach your children, pray for your children, encourage your children in the faith that they grow up and continue to follow Jesus, continue to bask in his word and in his promises. Thanks for listening. God's peace be with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dicey Stuff, the podcast where Lois talks about this big dicey adventure called life.
You're welcome to send your comments and feedback to DiceyStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Please, if you would, subscribe and share. Until next time, roll on, friends. <laughs>